Join Dr. Brown as he continues to dig deep into the truths of the gospel of Jesus Christ as he walks through the book of Galatians. This is Hearing is Believing. The Bible says, for freedom, Christ has set us free. For freedom, Christ has set us free. So I want to ask you a question this morning. What does it mean to be free in Christ? That's the question that we have before us. What does it mean to be free in Christ? Now, we value our freedom here in uh, these United States of America, and one lesson that we have learned about freedom is that uh, even those freedoms that we enjoy as unalienable rights, those freedoms have limits. Those freedoms have limits. There are laws that are put in place that teach us what it means to live free. Those laws are those standards that are put in place to ensure that freedom can continue. And one of the challenges that uh, our society faces is this uh, myth of autonomy, of the false sense of individualism. Now listen closely. We are autonomous. We are individuals. And as free individuals, we face the consequences of our actions. We face the consequences of our actions. There are certain limits that God has put in place that ensure freedom. For example, in the physical world, what do we learn? What goes up must come down. We learn that. We also learn, uh, or we should say that you're free to fly to England if you want to, but you can't fly without an airplane. We also learn that for every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. Catch a tiger by its tail and just see how it reacts. Now, there are other limits that man puts in place to ensure freedom. For example, you can drive your car up Hale State Boulevard doing at a, uh, a rate of speed, uh, if you want to, over 45 miles an hour, <clears throat> but uh, that has consequences. And uh, I won't tell you whether or not I'm speaking from experience, that's none of your business. But it has consequences. You're free, but that freedom has limits. And that limit ensures your freedom. And so today what I want to do is I want to talk to you about what it means to be free in Christ. What does it mean to be free in Christ? And let me say this, freedom in Christ doesn't just mean going to heaven when you die. Freedom in Christ means so much more than that. It, freedom in Christ means coming from death to life. The Bible paints a story about you before faith in Jesus. It says that you were blind, but now you see. It says that you were lame and unable to walk, but now you can walk. The Bible says that before Christ you were dead, but now through Christ you're made alive. You come from death to life, to come from old creation to new creation. You see, you once were guilty of chasing after images of the better life. You were fooled and tricked into thinking that there was satisfaction in something other than Jesus. But now that you've come to the cross, you know better. Now that you've come to believe in a crucified, risen, and coming again Savior, you know better. 
Now you've been called, the Bible says. Now you've been sealed by the Spirit. You are now free in Christ. And what I want to tell you this morning, that now that you're free, you are free indeed. And this is what it means to live. One of the benefits of having little children, uh, and by the way, didn't our children do great this morning? It was so great to hear them leading us in worship. I think we should do that more often. It's so innocent and pure to let them lead us in worship. Blair and Charity, they do a great job uh, leading our kids. But, but uh, I have children. There were two of my children that were, that were here in the, in the choir this morning. And one of the benefits of me having little children is that uh, uh, I get to do things like memorize the Frozen soundtrack. You know, how many of you have done that? I can name every song. Hakuna Matata, let's go ahead and let's sing it. But uh, one of the things about having children is that we can try to avoid singing those lyrics, but even if we're doing something, we can't help but hum along. The other day, I was fixing a kitchen faucet, and they're watching the Disney movies, and so here I am up underneath the faucet humming along to whatever Disney movie that they're playing. But uh, one song that I think captivates what I'm trying to communicate and what the Bible's communicating is is, uh, one story that perhaps helps us understand freedom in Christ. It's that story of Cinderella. You know, here's this girl. It's the rags to riches story. Here's this girl that was taken advantage of. Here's this girl that was a victim of the system. She has a magical evening with Prince Charming. She goes and she dances with Prince Charming. While she's dancing with Prince Charming, she sings a little song. So this is love. Mm -hmm. You know it. Come on. Don't act like you don't know it. But listen to the lyrics. So this is love. So this is what makes life divine. I'm all aglow. Mm -hmm. And now I know the key to all of heaven is mine. My heart has wings and I can fly. I'll touch every star in the sky. This is the miracle that I've been dreaming of. So this is love. What I want to talk to you about today as we come and encounter God through His Word is I want to tell you what we're going to read today is what life's all about. Listen to the preacher. This is living. Listen to the Bible. Galatians 5, you join me in verse 16. But I say, walk by the Spirit And you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, 
gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. And I want to talk to you today from this text about free-spirited Christian living. Now, every one of those words is important, and I encourage you to write them down and look at the way that they interact with this text a little later. Free-spirited Christian living. And what the ambition that I have before us today is I want us to, as the Bible says in Galatians as well as in Peter, I want us to live as people who are free. I want you to live as a free person, not using your freedom as a cover for evil, but living as a servant of God who through love serves one another. So that's what we want to learn today, to live freely. But don't use your freedom as a cover for evil, but serve God and serve one another. And so I want you to really get into this text this morning with me. I want us to, to enter into the biblical text. And we have in this text the, the pathway to life and the pathway to death. Figured since the children are in the room and we're already on the Disney theme, we might as well just continue it. One of my favorite Disney movies, oh my goodness, one of my favorite Disney movies is the, the, the animated Beauty and the Beast. And don't you love this scene where Belle's dead, he's on the horse, or he's, he's not on the horse, he's on the cart with the horse in front, and he's taking that invention, and he comes to this road, right? This way it's all spooky and everything looks uh, scary, and then this way the birds are chirping, the sun is shining. Which way does it go? Well, he doesn't listen to his horse, which if you're lost in the woods, always trust your horse. That's another lesson for another day. But anyway, he goes, and he goes down the spooky path, and all of us are thinking, what are you doing? Well, that's the point. We are today, we're in the opening of the fork in the road. The Bible has taken us to an opening in the fork of the road. And so what I want us to do in this time that we have together is I want us to just simply consider the pathway that we have before us. And many of you today, within the sound of my voice, you're here. You may not even realize it yet. You may not recognize it, or maybe you do recognize it. I pray you do. And you're standing right now in your life, and you can go this way, or you can go this way. Which way are you going to go? And so, the Bible's going to be our guide today, and the prayer is that you'll choose the right pathway. So write this down. Let's start our journey. Write this down. Number one, there are many pathways. Understand that, that there are many pathways in this life, but there's really only one way of life. There are many pathways, many opportunities for you to be confronted with different things, many sirens who are going to come and try to lull you with their song to say, come this way, come this way. There are many pathways, but there's only one way of life. You know why the Bible, some people have so much trouble with the Bible making it only one way, and how can you say that it's the only way, the exclusivity of the gospel, but you know what that does? That just makes things simple for a country boy like me. It just makes things simple. There are many pathways, but there's really only one way of life. 
Notice the language here. Look at what it says in verse 18. Walk by the Spirit. Do you see that in verse 16? And then in verse 18, look at what it says. Led by the Spirit. And then look at the way uh, the Bible reads in verse 25. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep, look at this language, keep in step with the Spirit. You know what all of those things are telling us? It's not only telling us about the Holy Spirit of God, but it's telling us about life on the other side of the cross. There is something called Christian living. And Christian living is living that is animated and motivated by the Spirit of God. God has called us to live. And the life that He's called us to live, according to Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20, is a life of faith. What does Galatians 2 say? It says, the life that I now live, it says I've been crucified with Christ, and the life that I now live, I live by faith in the one who loved me and gave himself for me. And that life of faith is walking by the Spirit. A life of faith is walking by the Spirit. Now, what does it mean to walk in the Spirit? What on earth does it mean to walk in the Spirit? Well, look at the Bible. What does it mean? It means not gratifying the desires of the flesh. That's what it means. You say, well, that's not clear at all. Well, what does it mean? Let's keep going. Walking in the Spirit takes faith. Faith. Now, you can't see the Spirit. That's why it's a Spirit. That's why He's a Spirit. You can see the effects of the Spirit. You can feel the promptings of the Spirit. You can feel the urgings of the Spirit. Maybe there's a change in behavior or a change in desire. But overall, you can't see the Spirit. What's that mean? It means there is no tangible evidence of the Spirit other than faith. And I realize the group that I'm talking to this morning, just like me, this is where the challenge comes in. This is because our society teaches us that unless I can see it, what business do I have believing it? But you know, the Bible, it confronts that notion of, and it says, it, it uses a word image to talk about the Holy Spirit. And the word that it uses to talk about the Holy Spirit is wind. Wind. When you look up and you see a tree moving outside, uh, what do you say that's making the tree move? Well, it might be a squirrel. <laughs> it may be a giraffe. But most of the time, it's the wind. Something that you can't see having an effect that you can see. And even on a windy day when you see the tree swaying, what do you say? You say, look at the wind. You can't see the wind. You can only see the effects of the wind. You can feel the wind, but the wind is invisible. And we're told in the Bible to live by faith. That is, to have our minds and hearts set on what we can't see, but what we can feel. What can be expressed and what can be lived? Live by faith, 
the Bible says. Live by faith in a message that you've received, a message of a Christ who came, a Savior who loved, a Savior who healed, a Savior who forgives any who come to Him. There are many pathways, but there's only one way of life. There are many pathways, but there's only one way of life. Look at this text. Let's let's dig a little deeper. Look at this text. Paul gives us a list of vices. It's not an exhaustive list, but it's a list. And you know what that list does? It demonstrates what life outside of faith looks like. What does life without faith look like? Well, let's look at it. Life without faith is a life of sexual immorality. It's a life of impurity and sensuality. A life without faith is a life that our desires are set loose and fueled by our own selfishness. Now, look at the word here in the Bible. The word in verse 16 is the word gratify. Do you see that word? Gratify. Gratify means that there's no one other than yourself to please. That's what it means. No one can look and see if you're gratified. No one can openly celebrate gratification. They have to be made aware that you're gratified. So, in other words, gratification and selfishness, they go hand in hand. Now, I'll tell you something that ought to be celebrated, which is the opposite of of gratification, and that's, that's marriage. Because you know what we learn in marriage? In marriage, we learn what it means to be committed. In marriage, we learn what it means to sacrifice ourselves for the good of somebody else. There's no true love, listen carefully, without a life of faith. There's no goodness, there's no faithfulness, there's no gentleness. Look at the Bible. Life without faith is a life of idolatry. It's a life of sorcery. The Bible says that God has set eternity into the hearts of every person, every man, woman, boy, and girl here. God has put eternity in your heart. Every one of us, we're all made to be a worshiper. And you know what? Because a life without faith turns our worship in on ourselves. And so what do we do? We erect a God in our own image to suit our own gratifications, our own desires. We come up with all of these religious rituals to try to ease our conscience and that are ridden with guilt. But in the end, it's never enough. You can't ever give enough. You can't ever pray enough. You can't ever come to church enough to wash away the stain. There's no peace in that kind of way of living. There's no joy in that kind of way of living. Look at the Bible. Life without faith is a life of enmity, jealousy, strife, fits of anger, rivalry, dissension, division, orgies, and then things like these, the Bible says. And I just want to ask you an honest evaluation. Does that sound like living? This is a life that constantly has to be warned. This is a life, look at the Bible, that will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, that's down this way. But let's look at the other way. Let's look at the pathway of faith. And notice all this fruit. 
It's the fruit of the Spirit. It's the effects of a life of faith. Now pay attention. Read the Bible closely. It's not the fruits of the Spirit. It's the fruit singular. And so faith has a flower, and the flower is the fruit of the Spirit. And we're going to look at the petals of this beautiful blossom. And look at it. Look at it in your Bible. Love. Joy. Peace. Patience. Kindness. Goodness. Faithfulness. Gentleness. Self-control. Against such things, there is no law. No one has ever come up to me and said, you know, you were a little too kind today. (laughs) You were a little too gentle. I think you were a little too faithful. None of that. You see, we, we try to make, we, we make laws to try to make people gentle. We have laws in place that ensure that parents are loving their children. So look at the path before you. Which one are you going to choose? You see, here, here's what I want to confront again. You can't pick and choose. You can't say, I'll have a little bit of this a little bit of that. That's not the way that it works. They all go together as a set, but you can choose one pathway or the other. I love the way that Eugene Peterson in the message paraphrase, listen to what he says about this list. It's obvious what kind of life develops out of trying to get your own way all the time. Repetitive, loveless, cheap sex, a stinking accumulation of mental and emotional garbage, frenzied and joyless grabs for happiness, trinket gods, magic show religion, paranoid loneliness, cutthroat competition, all-consuming yet never satisfied wants, a brutal temper, an impotence to love or to be loved, Divided homes and divided lives, small-minded and lopsided pursuits, the vicious habit of depersonalizing everyone into a rival, uncontrolled and uncontrollable addictions, ugly parodies of community. I could go on. Peterson says, this isn't the first time I've warned you, you know. If you use your freedom this way, you'll not inherit God's kingdom. But what happens when you live God's way? He brings gifts into our lives, much the same way that fruit appears in an orchard, things like affection for others, exuberance about life, serenity. We develop a willingness to stick with things, a sense of compassion in the heart, and a conviction that a basic holiness permeates things and people. We find ourselves involved in loyal commitments, 
not needing to force our way in life, able to marshal and direct our energies wisely. So you're here with me this morning. God's given us this moment. You're standing at a fork in the road. Which way are you going to choose? But let me tell you the full story. There's only one way to enter the orchard of God's blessing. Listen to the way that Peterson puts it. Legalism is helpless in bringing this about. It only gets in the way. Among those who belong to Christ, everything connected with getting our own way and mindlessly responding to what everyone else calls necessities is killed off for good, crucified. Or as Paul says in the Bible, the only way to enter the orchard of God's blessing, look at the Bible, those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Number two, write this down, enter through the cross. The only way that you can enter is through the cross. And notice, notice the tense of these verbs here. It's a aorist active. What does that mean? It means that it's a one-time event that happened in the past that continues into the present. It's a one-time event that we're experiencing now that happened in the past, that continual action into the future. In other words, you have been crucifying the flesh. You are crucifying the flesh, and you will be crucifying the flesh. Now, what I'm fixing to say, if you haven't gotten it yet, is hopefully going to be very liberating for some of you. You listening? If you're a Christian this morning, it means that you're going to struggle. If you're a Christian this morning, it means that you're going to fight the temptation to sin. That's part of it. Don't think that there's something wrong. It's probably everything right. Because now, now, you have the Spirit of God within you. You see, believe this today. Mark it down forever. We're not a perfect people. We're a forgiven people. Now, don't misunderstand me. This isn't an excuse for you and me to cover up our evil. But I'll tell you what it is an opportunity for. It's an opportunity for us to experience God's amazing grace. Look at verse 17, to keep you from doing what you want to do. It's not that you don't want to do these things. You do want to please God. Where did that desire come from? It didn't come from within you. It came from without you. God sealed you with the Spirit of God and put within you this desire to please God now. You see, now, Christian, you have a war in your own heart. You struggle. You fight temptations. You're stuck right now. Between the times of the crucifixion of Jesus and the sending of the Spirit and the assurance of His coming. You see, you're living 
right now with new life, but you still have the old one. And there's now a friction of desire. And that friction of desire is one that you're going to carry with all your life. Some of you don't know who Vance Havner is, but he's an old preacher from a long time ago. Man loved Jesus. Walk with him. Talk with him. One time, Vance Havner was in his 80s, and he was at a preacher's conference. And somebody asked him if in his 80s he still struggled with sexual sin. Havner answered this way. He said, every day I pray that God would let me not be a dirty old man. You're going to struggle? It's part and parcel of what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Because there's now a friction of desires that you have to live with all of your life. But I guess we should be a little more specific than just thinking that we have to live with it all of our life. Look at the text here. We don't have to live with it. You know what we have to do? We have to crucify it. Crucify it. We have to, as Romans says, present ourselves to God as a living sacrifice. But you know what the problem with a living sacrifice is? It tends to keep wanting to crawl off the altar. We have to remember You have to preach the gospel to yourself every day. That's the whole purpose of this recovery series. What do we need to recover? We don't just need to recover from a pandemic. We need to recover the gospel. We need to recover the the freeing message of Christ's salvation for all who believe. We need to recover this, that it's not about what I can do. It's about what He has done. We need to recover this. We need to recover that we are not a perfect people. Don't even act like it but you're forgiven because Jesus has paid it all. You have to remember that you're forgiven. You have to remember that you've been seated with Christ in heavenly places. You see, there is a a blessed life. There is a fruitful life, but you have to die. And like an old song used to say, Everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to die. But dying to self is the only way. One way is a way of life. The other way is a way of death. The only way to enter through life is to die. Some of you may be wondering, as you're looking at this road before you, you say, can we have a little foresight of of not only what's on the pathway, where is this road going? I'll tell you where the road ends, number three. You know where the road ends? It ends in community. It ends in community. All of these gifts, you know where they grow? They grow in the soul of community. Look at this. I want you to see this. Chapter 5 and verse 15. Notice this. If you bite and devour one another, that's us, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. 
And then look at verse 25. If we live by the Spirit, let us, that's collective, also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us, that's collective, not become conceited. Here it is. Provoking one another. Envying one another. You know where we end? What's at the end of the road? Community. It's community. You know what we're going to do together in heaven? We're going to do in heaven what we're doing today right here. You know what we're doing right now? We're listening to a preacher. No. What are you doing right now? We are seeking the face of God together. We are longing to be with Him. That's why we gather on a Sunday. That's why we come together and do what we do, because we are expressing our longing of being where He is. And He says to us, He said, one day I'm coming, and it's going to be very soon. And you know where He's going to take us? He's not just going to take you. He's going to take me. He's going to take you. He's going to take you. He's going to take those people over there. Yes, I mean the Methodist. He's going to take the Presbyterian. He's going to take all of them. He's going to take some Catholics. He's going to take, he's going to take people from Africa. He's going to take us all together. And we're going to see Him. And we're going to be with Him. And we're going to seek His face forever. So we gather together like this, filled with the Spirit, hoping for a better tomorrow. We're not hoping in who we are. We're not hoping in what we can do. We're opening Him and what He has done. You know what we all have in common? We all have in common that we are worse off than we think we are. Every one of us here today, the best that you can do, well, you're actually worse than that. Whatever good you think that you've done, it's nothing. You are more flawed than you even realize. It's worse than you think it is. But you know what else we have in common? We are more loved than we could ever imagine. You say, how do you know? Because Jesus paid it all. What kind of community will we have? An authentic Christian community, a community of life, a community of hope, a community of struggle, a community of forgiveness, a community of acceptance, a community of security, a community of success, a community of love. And you're invited this morning to join the community. But I want to tell you, the only way to join the community is you have to die to yourself. And you have to believe not in what you've done or what you can do. You have to believe in Jesus. And you know what Jesus says? He says, it is finished. He says, you're forgiven. He says, by faith, believe and be saved. Would you pray with me?
Thank you for Jesus. Thank you that because of Him, you love us. Father, I realize who I'm speaking to today. I'm speaking to people who are on the edge of eternity. My prayer is that you would make your gospel so undeniably clear to them that you would make it almost irresistible that they would by faith believe and be saved. Father, if there are those of us who are already saved, may we again commit to you afresh today and say, oh, I'm thankful for Jesus. Lord, we give you all the praise and glory as we now come before you, just as we are, without a single plea. Father, help us in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, amen. Thank you for listening to the preaching ministry of Dr. Andy Brown, Senior Pastor of First Baptist Startville in Startville, Mississippi. If you enjoyed what you heard, make sure to follow Hearing is Believing on Facebook and rate and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. You can also find us at hearingisbelieving.org.